When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You'll never be played with again. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. All right, welcome back. It is Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. Thanks, by the way, to everyone who's downloaded that Score North mobile app. We saw... Just a huge jump in July. I think a lot of people who are interested in the Twins at the trade deadline and uh, those of you who've been listening live and on demand, thank you very much. Roy Smalley is a World Series champion. You can hear and see him on Fox Sports North. And, uh, man, that, that Miguel Sano home run last night. So word was he spent most of the game in the batting cage just like frothing at the mouth for that exact moment, and he didn't miss Roy Smalley. Yeah, that was that's a wonderful story. And you know, as a as a player, you start to get a sense and a rhythm about a game, and you and you look ahead and you say, you know, I might get a shot here. And uh, so he was down uh, underneath, working on um, what he's been working on and preparing himself for an at bat in a big spot. And boy, did he deliver! It was pretty cool. So, right, take me through that too. When when you're a player, and you know Miguel has certainly within the past six weeks or so um, turned a corner and done well. But in that uh, sweep of the Royals, he was, I believe, one for twelve with six strikeouts. So, when the batting coach takes you into that cage for the majority of game, is that working on adjustments that op- opponents have made to you in recent times to adjust to what you've been successful against? Well, uh, sometimes I. I... A lot of it is, and this is what I think uh, Rudy Hernandez was um, working with Snow. And again, I wasn't there. I don't know. Sure. Uh, But here's what I suspect. He's done a great job, has Snow, of changing his mechanics to give himself a better chance. His swing is shorter and more direct to the ball than than it was before he made this change. But he still gets... Pull conscious, you know, and, and even if he's not uh, consciously <laughs> pull conscious, subconsciously his his contact point where he feels like he has to hit the ball, uh, get his swing started, and get and hit the ball is pretty far out in front of him, which results in you know balls being hit to his pull field, left field. But uh, it, it also results in being very vulnerable to uh, breaking pitches and to some degree it works against his mechanics because he's trying to be short shorter and more direct to the ball but when you start thinking pull too early your swing has has a tendency to get long, uh, long again and it 
it kind of negates everything you've been working on. So my suspicion is that Rudy Hernandez had him down there having him try to take his mechanics, that he's, his new mechanics, and hit back through the ball a little bit rather than around the ball, rather than, you know, just move the contact point back a little closer to the plate. And uh, the result is, you know, you hit more balls, you know, from left center to right center, and that, you know, that's the result we 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 saw. And I just, I hope that's what they were doing, and I hope he was, I, I hope that made an impression. Every time he hits a home run to right field or right center or center field, I'm hoping that that just gets a little bit deeper into his, in his subconsciousness, because he, like Nelson Cruz and Miguel Cabrera and guys like that, they have. They have power to hit the ball out of the ballpark everywhere. It just has never made sense to me that that he wouldn't try to figure out a way to set up to hit the ball in the center of the diamond and then just let the pitch dictate you know where the contact point is so that he's not he's not nearly as vulnerable to the strikeout. And Roy, I know there's a lot of frustration surrounding Miguel Sano when it comes to twins fans, but myself, i'm I'm impressed and I'm impressed by the fact that he's making these changes literally on the fly in the middle of a major league season and intrigued by a healthy Miguel Sano having a whole offseason to work with this coaching staff. If he can do this now in the middle of a season, you got to think that these lessons will penetrate a little bit more and he'll be able to put them to good use with the whole offseason being healthy and working with these coaches. Your point is a great one about uh, trying to make a change as drastic as what he's made in the middle of a you know season in the big leagues against big league stuff. It's it's a remarkable testament to to his talent. I mean, and his strength. It really is. And I think uh, I think people have to understand that where he what he always did in terms of his hitting mechanics as a kid. And growing up through the minor leagues was always successful, or at least successful enough to get him, uh, you know, to put up big home run numbers and, and RBI numbers and get him to the big leagues. And so when you get here, it, it, it with you get to the big leagues with, you know, doing one thing your whole life, very difficult to say it, mentally to say I'm going to do something different now. And it it really kind of takes hitting rock bottom, I, I think, and and going to the to the hitting coaches, which he did, and he said, "Okay, what do I have to do?" And and they um, and to everybody's credit, his and the coaches and the manager and everybody on board with him trying to do this, trying to figure it out, you know, in the middle of a not only a season, a big league season, and a pennant drive, and you know, and it's it really is. I, I think he deserves a world of credit for that. Roy Small, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but in, in terms of a seven game series, do you think the gap between the Twins lineup and everybody else's lineups in the American League is wide enough to make up for any other potential advantages those other teams might have in the pitching department? You know, it's a great question, it, it, and it's 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 not answerable. I I, I think the it, they, they will. They will pretty much go the way they pitch the rest of the year, and if they pitch well, you know, well enough uh, to, you know, to in, in support of that great offense, then they're going to win the division and they're going to they'll, they'll be in the playoffs. After that, just like everybody else, they're going to play the way they pitch, and and it, I just think it's unanswerable right now. They have an advantage, you know, with the way they swing the bats, very very much like the way we were in in '87 and. And um, so the they're not like many teams 
who can't do what they can do offensively and have, really have to uh, have a pitching staff that will uh, hold the other team down. But when you get in the playoffs, um, you know, good pitching can negate uh, even these Twins hitters to to, a, to some degree, and you have to have a pitching staff that can at least at least keep up. And and I think that remains to be seen in the postseason. Do you agree, Roy? It seems to me that in the last month uh, of Twins games here, I go back to the Oakland series, Yankee series, and, and now we, we get um, starting with last night, seven days of great baseball, Braves. Cleveland, we have had more compelling and fun baseball played downtown here than I would say we had combined from the years 2011 to 18. This has been just fantastic baseball to me. Hasn't it been fun? It gives me, you know, it just gives me chills a bit. I mean, this, this has this has been incredible big league baseball, and and win or lose, they slugged it out with uh, with Oakland. They slugged it out with the Yankees. Uh, they hit good pitching. Uh, they had flashes of really nice pitching on, uh, themselves. That the Twins did. Now you've got uh, the Braves coming in here, uh, as good a team as there is in the National League, probably or close to it. Uh, and and they're uh, playing them toe to toe. It's it's great stuff. It really is. It's it's really fun watching uh, watching Major League Baseball here in this town. No question. Talking with former twin Roy Smalley of Fox Sports North here on Mackey and Judd with Rami. Not not to be the guy to to bring the mood down, Roy, but since the last time we talked, another IL stint for Byron Buxton. If I'm the twins brain trust and I knew that I could get what I've gotten out of him so far this year for 140, 145 games in a season, I would lock him up for the rest of his career tomorrow. But it gives me some some hesitation, the fact that he just cannot stay on the field, Roy. If you were making the decision of whether or not to try and, and keep Byron Buxton long-term with the Twins, does does this scare you a little bit, the fact that he, he cannot stay on the baseball field? Sure it does. It, it, it gives you pause about uh, how much uh, money you can spend, but I, but I think if – and I, I think Byron and his agent don't – you know, haven't wanted to talk about anything until – uh, after the season, uh, uh, and um, you know, I think they're going to be um, uh, kind of hard nosed about probably about what they want. But having said that, if I'm the Twins, I do as you suggest, and I I try to sign him for five years, as you know, as reasonably as I could. I mean, this this might be the last this this off season might be the last opportunity. Uh, and I, I come back to him and say, you know, we, we, we signed Polanco to the long-term deal. We signed Kepler. We'd like to sign you and uh, try to work something out. Right now we'll be cheaper than this time next year, I'm pretty sure. And there is a chance that he's not on the field for as many games as you would, uh, you would like to get your uh, money's worth out of whatever you have to pay. But it's absolutely worth the gamble in my mind. I think you, I think you wrap him up as best you can. I think what makes it hard, too, is Judd and I talked about this on yesterday's show. His biggest asset is his straight-line speed in center field, tracking down fly balls at a level that we probably haven't seen in this generation. And he's going to be 26 years old. He's a free agent when he's 29 or 30 years old. That's that's an attribute that doesn't exactly appreciate during during those years. And so... I would be. I would just be sort of nervous about the injury. He's amazing when he's on the field, and I would even take him for 120 games. But do you think once his speed wears off at that elite level, is he a guy that you would still want to pay a lot of money to? Maybe having to move him like 
Kirby Puckett or Torrey Hunter to a corner outfield spot as you project forward? Well, I think for him with with, with that um, with that body and and with his mindset about how he uh, keeps himself in in shape and what he does in the off season, I think we're talking about moving him. If you're talking about moving him out of center, off of center field, I think that's way down the road. That's that's 33 years old, 34, 35 years old. I I think now now the the one. The caveat to that is, you know, how how much injury? When does it take its toll? Where he just, you know, he can't play anymore, uh, literally, because of uh, because of injuries. But but I I still think that um, he. The other thing about your point is, even if he slows down a bit, a little bit in center field. We don't know what his upside is offensively yet, and so yes, his greatest attribute. Uh, as you said, might be a straight line speed and his ability to play center field right now. We don't know if that will still be the case in, in three years mm-hmm. or four years or two, even two. I mean, we just we don't know uh, what his upside limit is uh, offensively. So I would bet on it and uh, and sign him. Trevor May, regardless May... of the injuries, regardless of anything else. Sorry, right? May last night to, to to me it was great to see him come out and finally he I think he the curveball almost uh, entirely it was nice to see him come out and just throw gas and, and it sounds like they finally talked to him and said if you're gonna lose lose with your best stuff Trevor yeah I think that's right and I what I what I was encouraged I mean, he was he was throwing hard obviously his velocity was great uh, he threw some good changeups and I think that's where he's where he should go I think he should be a a fastball changeup pitcher, and I think he should go back to the slider against right-handed hitters. So, fastball slider to right hand, occasional. You know, when he's not going to throw that, you know, throw at 98, then you know, get control of the slider is a bit easier. I think for him it would be a little bit easier for him to control for him to throw it, you know, out on the outside part of the plate and down to right-handers. I really like. 97, 98 mile an hour fastballs and 89 mile an hour changeups to left-handers. I, he did that last night. I thought it was great. So I'd like to see that uh, personally, if that makes any difference to anybody. <laughs> Speaking of that bullpen, Roy, this is the first time we've talked to you since the trade deadline. Did you think, obviously you can't control in, injuries, but did you think the Twins did enough to bolster that bullpen before uh, before the deadline came and went? Yeah, I think I think what they got for what they gave up was really good. I I, I think they made uh, you know really good uh, trades in in that regard. You know, we don't know, and uh, you know, and <laughs> Phil and I talked about this um, on Twitter a bit. Uh, but we we don't know what it was that uh, was being requested for anybody else, whether it was another reliever or. Uh, or whether it was uh, for a starter. I mean, we just don't have any idea. I, and I suspect that the the price tag was was awfully high uh, to do anything uh, more than they did. And so the the debate. I don't think the debate is, you know, did they do enough necessarily? I think the debate is uh, what kind and how many uh, uh, prospects do you do you hold on to. And, and Phil, you mentioned this might be the, the widest window 
that they have in, in order to get in the postseason. And I don't think I, I don't think that's true. At least I hope it's not. That'd be sad. I, that would, that'd be depressing to me <laughs> if in the next five six years this is the widest window yeah. they have. I would say so. Th- just after sort of reflecting on the last week. I still think they can win the World Series this year without a Noah Syndergaard. I, I, do I think they're the favorite? No. But I think they've entered a window here. The, so, Roy, the Astros' top three pitchers, they traded for all three of those guys, and they traded they traded five top five prospects and a couple top ten guys. And I would just say my standing point here, as long as this window is open, they should be willing to trade from their top five and ten prospect grouping if it means getting a Garrett Cole-like top-end starter to bolster a, a win-now situation, and I think that applies for the next two or three seasons. I agree with that. Uh, I absolutely agree with that, and, and I'm just not willing to, to say what they, should have, what they should have given up for uh, Syndergaard, because, they, for example, or uh, Stroman, even though the Stroman deal is kind of weird because the, the Blue Jays... Yeah. Kind of jilted them, but yes. I mean that was a weird deal. Yes. But uh, let's let's. I mean, there, first of all, there weren't that many guys available. If Syndergaard was in fact available, then without knowing what the Mets were insisting on, if it had been a if it had been a top three and a top ten prospect, um, maybe it maybe you make that deal. If it's Byron Buxton and alone or anybody else, I don't make it in three lifetimes. Yeah. So you know, you just don't know. Roy Smalley, World Series champion, Fox Sports North. Uh, Enjoy the rest of this amazing week of baseball. Indians coming to town, and we'll catch up. Join me and Dan Terhar this Saturday for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and FC Dallas. Pre-game at 6.30 p.m. with kickoff at 7 right here on Score North on AM 1500.scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Football. Gentlemen, you want to know how football I am? How football are you, Phil Mackey? Actually, Judd might be close to this football. Maybe Judd did the same thing. But I'm so football. Mm -hmm. When the Kevin Stefanski press conference transcript came into my inbox today, I read it. No. That's right. I didn't do that. Football. The last transcript transcript I read was the... I almost spammed Vikings PR for sending that to me. Mike Zimmer <laughs> press conference transcript I think came into my inbox my Gmail yesterday I did read I did not read Stefanski's though because I want Kubiak oh you want the Kubiak I want one? the real offensive what coordinator you, what are you people doing it's football season no, listen no it's not not only did I read the transcripts I picked out a couple amazing oh, footbally football questions here you want you want football football well can I give you can I quickly get, give you a more football thing than Football itself, because a there are I'm going to take you to next level football. Football, because there are moments in training camp that are are enormous to the true football lover. The day training camp starts, right? Competition's on, and you say to yourself, "I can't wait to hear," or "I can't wait to read Matthew Collar's reports." ScoreNorth.com, right? I can't wait to hear the, the crashing of blocking okay. sleds into human flesh. But then that grows two weeks in or so. That grows sort of old, right? So you're like, I've seen all this before. So you earmark preseason game, and not the Hall of Fame game, just to be clear, but preseason game one for your team. But right before that, something hit the inbox yesterday that is the most football-y football thing of football. A depth chart. Football. Mm. Yeah. 
And if you thought I said that in a somewhat seductive way, I did. Now, a depth chart. I was just ridiculing you guys, but I do have, when I see that first unofficial depth chart released, when I see that tweet, it does. It sends a little tingle up my spine. Does it? I have to admit. Look at it, Rami. Look at it. How does it make you feel to see Sean Mannion at QB2 over Kyle Sloter, QB3, Mm. and Jake Browning, QB4? Man, that's so important. Is it? How about when you see the wide receiver depth chart, when Chad Beebe is your number one wide receiver on the second team, and Laquan Treadwell is on the third team? There are four wide receivers ahead of Laquan Treadwell on the Vikings depth chart right now. Guys, wide receiver one on my depth chart? Updated August 5th, 2019. Go six deep. Okay? It's six deep. Wait, what? Look at it. Six one, deep. two, three, four, five. There's six names. It's no, six it's, it's, but it says wide receiver team one. Yep. And then team two. And then team three. And then it's, it's it just Jeff Bidette and Laquan Oh, Treadwell. no, no. The one that starts with Thielen above that, Phil. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at it goes now, too. six players oh. Thielen, B.B. Treadwell, okay. Zilstra, okay. B.C. Don't Johnson. come at me with that. Well, Don't come Davion at me. Davion Davis. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> you, guys have, you guys have roped me in. You guys have roped me right <laughs> in. It's, the segment start with me ridiculing you. Does this look like? Does this look and feel like a division championship depth chart? <laughs> is the question here? I mean, no, but still, it's a depth chart. It is. It's a depth oh, chart. Oh, says the Bears fan. It's a real depth chart. Does a couple quick rapid fires here? Does Laquan Treadwell make the team? Yes, I think he does make the team, but I think he's a non-factor. Plays some special teams. And I, I'm not going to be surprised if, like, around the deadline, he's moved for a seventh round pick. Or yeah, something. I think he makes the team. He'll make the first cut. If somebody else better is out there from another team, if there's like a well, veteran there's one receiver. Cut now, right? Did, didn't they consolidate oh, that's the cuts? Right. That's right. But if there's a veteran receiver who ends up on the market after the cuts are done, I, I think he might he might be sent packing sure, at that point. Sure. Yeah. Um okay, uh cornerback, Trey Wayne, Xavier Rhodes, uh Mike Hughes on the mend, ideally. Mackenzie Alexander has been in the mix a lot more. Beyond that, here's a football football question. Who do you lean on among the Duke Thomases and the Chris Boyds and like Holton Hill? You can't lean on until Thanksgiving, for God's sake. Holton sakes. Hill suspended nine times is listed last on the depth chart. That's how well, much yeah. trouble Holton Hill's in. Well, you, can't, you can't use You're the guy until week. You can't use him until after the bye, basically. I'm not going to be surprised if they cut him. Really, I'm not going to be surprised. I think Zim is to put it. He's done with to that. To put it bluntly. Yeah. P.O. at Holton Hill, and I think he might not make this roster. Yeah, uh, reliability is not uh, something that you can you can put next to Holton Hill's name. Uh, when I was reading the Kevin Stefanski transcript today, yes, so, that's right. Okay, now I, can't I go read that the far. Kevin we're Stefanski transcript. It's like the Bible, the book of Stefanski. It's got the questions and the answers, and I don't know who this feels like a Matthew Collar question, maybe a Courtney Cronin question from Purple Daily. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked, are you able, Kevin, 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 here in the front row, are you able to judge how the zone blocking is going without the cut, the, without the cut block in play during practice? Football. Oh, oh yeah. Mm. You know to what? which the follow-up question was, yep. it's the first year, guys, you've had uh, the drill in practice with the big donut that they're trying to dive at. And then I saw a video that Collar posted. I told you guys about they're the big donut. You didn't dive, know what I was talking about. diving into a big donut pad to simulate cut blocking because obviously they yes. don't want like actual cut blocking in practice. And that's how guys tear their ACLs. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's you saw the donut. Oh, yeah. I was talking about the donut. You guys were looking at me like I was nuts. 
This goes back to, in fact, if you go back in your transcripts right now, Phil Mackey, to the Saturday transcript of Mike Zimmer being asked about the vaunted night scrimmage, there is a long give and take, give and take, give and take about how do you practice cut blocking when you don't want to cut block and get guys hurt, but they need work on cut blocking. Again, as football as you can get. Football. Yeah. So where, where do you guys fall right now? I, I sense the twins for the first time in... I see what you did there. Cut blocking. Where do we fall? Oh, wow. I, I see what you I did. I didn't even know my own genius there. I see what you did there. <laughs> didn't even know my... Uh-huh. I, that's I dangerous. I don't fall. See, that's the key. So where do you Stop. crumble to the ground with this discussion? I'm trying to think of the last time the you twins... You guys are bringing down my comedy street cred right now that I just earned over the oh, weekend. Yeah. We're destroying you. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last time the twins were more interesting in August than the Vikings were. And, you, and, and so let's let's start with when when are the last few times the twins were interesting in August? And like they popped up a couple of years ago, but the Vikings went 13-3 and three a couple of years ago and had a, a team that you knew was going to be good. All right, 2010, the Twins won like 95 games and were clearly a favorite to maybe go deep in the playoffs. But 2010, August was also Brett Favre 2.0. Right. And and wildly interesting times for a Vikings team that went to the NFC Championship game. 2009, the Twins had game 163 and a stretch run, but the Vikings had Brett Favre for the first time. It's been more than a decade since the Twins were more interesting than the Vikings in August, ain't like great? we have right now. Ain't it great that you don't have to care about Kevin Stefanski press conference transcript, transcripts right now for I at least care. three more weeks? Damn it, Rami, I want to care. I don't. don't make me not that, care. That's always... Not that I don't want to care. I care. All right? Don't think I don't care about my job. If you're listening to Score North or the Score North mobile app, I care a lot. But... I've all, that's always been the case for me that if it, it's all contingent on how my baseball team or the baseball team I'm covering is doing. That's what that's what really ju- uh, measures when I'll be football ready. Always has been. I feel so, I, just quickly. I, I feel like in Wisconsin though that you would have been a true outlier because my my oh yeah two years of covering oh, the Packers yeah, no. once Packers training camp started yeah it was like oh the Brewers are still playing yeah that's cool. But what's going on with the Packers' nickel corner? My former boss, he said the Packers' rule is the Packers' rule at all times. <laughs> like, all year round. If there was something Packers to talk about, you find a way to talk about it. But that that's just, I've, that's as, this has always been how I operate. If I have a bad baseball team, I'm ready for football that much sooner. If I have a good baseball team, I can wait a little bit longer for football. If they're both bad, bring on the fantasy football. <laughs> that's my and then pecking, you just go for that's personal my, game? That's my pecking order, yes. So, Phil... When's the last time, though, that you recall, and I'm not even saying this in a bad way, the Vikings being this stabilized and boring? Like, there's just. That's true, too. Like, if if something was up at quarterback or there was a huge competition, I feel like the Twins would still take precedence, but there would be reason to talk more or pay attention to the Vikings more. I would clarify that by saying this boring in camp because I think the season's going to be very interesting for the Vikings. No, but just as far as the the training camp questions you usually have. I'm saying ordinarily there's things to obsess about and focus on at training camp and, and I'm sure the Vikings love this, but when's the last time that they lacked as much as they lack as far as, like, what are we going to debate or talk about? Well, let's go through some of the things that in previous years you would you would be excited about, right? What, young quarterbacks in camp, Teddy Bridgewater in camp, or Christian Ponder in camp, or before Brett Favre, 
I know it sounds crazy in retrospect, but how's Tavar, how's T Jack looking in camp? Like that was a real yeah, thing. It does. It was right. a real thing I'm for like sorry. three years. Yeah, <laughs> he does sound crazy. It By does. the way, the answer is not very good. No. He, he, he oh, are you kidding? No, he looked great. He destroyed those cones. Seven on seven with the two garbage cans playing yes. as defensive tackles. Had, he was phenomenal. He yeah. had no chance. Yeah. Super Bowl champ with that. So so there's no Kirk Cousins is one of the most known commodity quarterbacks in the NFL. Right, like he puts up four thousand yards every year. He's very solidly among like the twelve to fifteen. He's like twelve to fifteenth ranked, maybe sixteenth somewhere in there. So you're not really watching practice with an eye on is Kirk Cousins better or worse. You're not going to know that until the first primetime game. You're not going to know that until Monday Night Football whether he's better or worse. Okay, other things in the past, the Vikings for a long time lacked a number one wide receiver. They went from Randy Moss leaving to all kinds of. Travis Taylors and Troy Williamson's and Marcus Robinson's. Don't and forget all Michael dudes, Jenkins. Michael Jenkins. Devin, Devin Aroma should do. Oh, yeah. Leo as a Bears oh, guy. I remember Devin Aroma yeah. should do. And, and so for a while it was, oh, can Stefan Diggs be the man? And, and he is. Oh, Adam Thielen. And like, okay, we've seen that. So they've got the two of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, you know, it's, there's not as many things. Like the things we're focused on. And again, I'm interested because I'm football. But we're sitting here literally talking about how much will they use the fullback, but and, you is, know, and is Chad Beebe their number three you know wide receiver? Is, you know what is fun and interesting already there, and I don't care how football-y a football guy you are, is Mike Zimmer and kickers. Didn't he make them run on the first day of practice? Well, the whole team they claimed, ran because Bailey missed a kick? They claimed that, that that was pre-planned, and they didn't run because of that, but Bailey was terrible that day. But then we talked to uh, Collar a couple days ago, and he said in the night scrimmage, I think Bailey made what, Phil? Six or seven? Yeah. He looked fantastic. Well, for one day. Looked great for Let one day. Let him have a bad day and but again, check my But again, zimmer. once we get to games, that could become intriguing, but there's just not a lot of intrigue there. Yeah, I think like the. Which the, is not a bad thing, by the way. The drama and the intrigue with the Vikings starts in September. It's it's drama. Can can they hold off the Packers and the Bears? Can they start beating good teams in primetime? Is Kirk Cousins really a franchise quarterback? Was it worth paying Anthony Barr and Everson Griffin to keep this defense together? Is Mike Zimmer the coach that's going to lead the Vikings to their first Super Bowl championship? It's it's a little bit like when you have a team that the, the expectations are Super Bowl, the, f- the further up that ladder of expectations you go, the less interesting training camp is because you're not... You know, for for teams like the Cleveland Browns, every year it's like, who's the start? It's, who's your first-round starting quarterback mm-hmm. and what's he going to look like in training camp? And the Vikings are... Very much beyond that point when it comes to expectations. And I, I feel like last year there was this Super Bowl or bust mentality that made things intriguing because we could continually, and we did, talk about the pressure. You know, Cousins is here now, and now you're a Super Bowl team. And now you're just like, well, they really weren't. So there's still internal pressure there. But it's it's hard for us as the public to come back now and be like, you're a Super Bowl team. They might be very good. We don't know. But this almost... Publicly, I think buys them more patience. They, and they, by the way, they should pump the brakes on expectations because there are better teams. I, I, I think they have a lot to prove. There's better quarterbacks. There's uh, there there were better defenses too. Maybe even in the division with the Chicago Bears last year. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be a really really bad move on the Vikings' end to hype up Super Bowl expectations. They should they should definitely manage expectations for this season. And they have been, yeah. Because I don't think it's I don't think it's the case of well, you better go deep in the playoffs or everyone gets fired. I mean, Judd and I kind of talked about that uh, late last week. I hate it 
when we treat coaching lifelines and team lifelines like a linear line up a hill, like the yodeler on Price is Right. Like, <laughs> yodeling, yodeling, and if you don't keep going up a notch, up a notch, then your ass is on the line. Okay, the Vikings' worst season under Mike Zimmer is 7-9. and nine. And, yeah, they've had some clunky offenses here and there, and they've had some coaching swaps out, and he hasn't been able to find a stable offensive coordinator. But for the most part, there's a lot of teams in the NFL that would trade spots with the Vikings situation the last few years. And so I, I almost feel like people are going into this season, and they're kind of... Well, the Vikings better show they better show you something eleven and five, or it's time to make another coaching change. I wouldn't be looking for re- for I wouldn't be looking for reasons to fire Mike Zimmer. I wouldn't and Rick Spielman this. Season. I wouldn't be looking for reasons, but I've said that if they don't have a a good run this year, that Zimmer and Spielman could be looking at their final year with the Vikings because you pushed all your chips to the center of the table with Kirk Cousins for a three year window, and if I'm the Wilfs and two years of that window are out, and we haven't. We haven't made it there or even come close and have actually regressed. I might need to to take a different path in terms of getting the most out of that third and final year and bring in an offensive-minded head coach, something something different to give myself the best chance that I have in that third year that I gambled so heavily on. Yeah, I have to. Well, we have a... Uh, but do you know what's starting tonight that always gets me in a football-y, football, football-y mood? What's football. Hard knocks. Oh, it starts tonight? Oakland Raiders. Starts tonight. I'm all in. I'm yeah, in buddy. I'm, I'm in so in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Antonio Brown still, I believe, has not practiced. Do you too. see his feet? He's in. Uh, yeah. Oh, they're so gross. Oh, he's got. He's got problems, man. What is going on there? I've not seen. He's this. got is problems. Is that like a skin eating fungus that he's got going on? He's out because of this. Yeah. It's gross. I just want. I, I'm going Antonio I'm, Brown feet and uh, take your chances. Okay. Can I do it right now? Do it right now. Okay. Hold on. By the way, I'm in. I'm in hard knocks. <laughs> Strictly for the John Gruden Nathan Peterman love, I I'm right there with you. I want to see. I'm I'm in for Gruden as well, but for me it's Gruden and Mayock. Okay, Antonio Brown feet. All right. Oh oh <laughs> yeah oh yeah, dude. He's not practicing because of this problem. Oh football. Yeah, this Deathman's got it. It's on the bottom. Ah. Antonio Brown's feet are a nightmare. <laughs> oh. That's the headline on Deadspin. Okay, oh my then. God. Those are feet. I just looked you know what, though? You... Oh, my God. It guys. Looks like, it looks like he stepped on hot coals or something. What is he doing? How do you do that? How does that? What guys, is... you got to play. <laughs> Get out there, Antonio. <laughs> Suck it up. Can I hit that quarterback in the face? I want to do it. You like that? Jonathan here with one final Score North download of the day. Vikings training camp well underway. We just got done talking on the Mackie and Jettles Rami show about that unofficial depth chart that the Vikings released. Well, you can read all of Matthew Collar's analysis on that unofficial depth chart and all of training camp so far over on our free website, scorenorth.com. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, time to wrap with Royce and Patrick. I'll start you with this one. Have you ever seen an outfielder before hear the crack of a bat and immediately jog off the field knowing that the ball is going well over the fence? I suppose I have, but that was rather dramatic. But uh, I fell in love with Dontrell Willis uh, sometime late last season or even early this year. I can't remember it was. When uh, he was, what's which network does he occasionally commentate? Fox, Fox, and he's on there, and he's talking about a left fielder who he gave up, you know, a long one, 
and the guy just kind of gazed at it or looked at it, never moved. And he says, you got to give me three courtesy steps. (laughs) (laughs) He he gave the guy hell when he came back in. He said, you got to give me three courtesy steps when you're running there. Uh, Kuna, it's funny that the pitcher turned around and looked like maybe he thought a hurricane was going to blow it back in. He he, he obviously knew what was going to happen, but Kuna was... uh, that was pretty funny the way he went uh, jogging in on that. Uh, yeah, that's ball. that's like that's the most aggressively I've ever seen. Like sometimes outfielders will stand and watch a ball, but to like <laughs> to run impact, in the opposite direction yeah. of the ball, yeah. the ball was off the bat and he was in the dugout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I think uh, not to pile on, but I think our guy Dick Bramer might have gotten fooled by the outfielder in that spot because off because he was very reserved off the bat. Yeah, and yeah. didn't and didn't. And so the ball goes out, and he goes, and that's a walk-off home run. So I don't know if, yeah. if it was depth perception or a crafty center fielder. but Yeah, I did uh, uh, notice that, too. Uh, actually, I was I, I saw the last inning at home. I was there for seven innings or so. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, he did get fooled on it, and I thought, when he, in fact, to the point, I thought, wait a minute. If if that's not going out, what is? Because it was, uh, you know, he had the big finish on that swing too. He not only went down and got the hanger, but he uh, he uh, had the big finish on it too. So he knew where it was going. He's got to get that chain off his head though. That's like 1984. Let's get rid of the seven pound chain around the neck. Huh? Come on. <laughs> so are you against it just from a style standpoint, or you think it nah, hinders his play somewhere? Stupid. <laughs> we did that. We already did that. 25 years ago, we did the 12-pound chains. Let's get on with our life. Mr. T is not on TV anymore, okay? <laughs> we can, uh, you know, let, let's go back to, you know, having a little dignity here, for God's sake. Did you see he called his shot, too? Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard he allegedly did say that I'll be out there for one pitch, and, uh, you know, if he knew it was going to be that pitch, I guess. Although I didn't think it was a hangy hangy. It was, uh, you know, it was uh, it was uh, down there where you, where you liked the ball, but it wasn't like one of those big floaters that said, hit me, hit me, that's, that's for sure. But, boy, oh, boy, and, and I talked a little about this today with Manny. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the relief pitchers that these teams all went and got at the trading deadline, a lot of disasters going on here. Sean Green blew two in a row for Atlanta, and then there's Chris Martin. They brought him in. You know, uh, Sam Dyson has decided he was hurt uh, because he stinks. Uh, you know, we got uh, other guys failing around. Washington went and got three relievers. Those guys have done nothing for them. The, uh, all these uh, trade deadlines. Sergio Romo is the only asset anybody picked up at, the, uh, in, at that trading deadline. And I got to admit, my level of enthusiasm for him wasn't that high, but I'll take it now. Yeah, he's also just one of the most fun twins of all time. In his first week and a half, he's already a top five most fun twin. Somebody told me he had a great deal with Gork the other day about trying to figure out downtown and uptown. Yes, he was confused yeah. as to why uptown is below downtown. <laughs> yeah, right. Not wrong. That's pretty dang observant for a guy who's only been in town for a week, isn't it? It was, it was well, not even that long. He's only been in town since uh, last Friday. So, so it was, yeah, that's pretty observant. There's... Uh, I tell you what, though, he's got to throw the highest percentage of sliders than anybody in history. That's sixty some percent, right? Mm-hmm. Almost. So, 
When? So they got their real relievers eligible tonight. That's the good part. Robo and uh, he could use both Robo and uh, and uh, Rogers tonight. So if they get in that situation, they're okay. Hey Patrick, when's the last time that you recall as a baseball fan that we've had three weeks to a month of this many good series in town? This has been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the memory to go back to what it was like in 2010, except that that was a good team that uh, would have been a lot better if Borno hadn't gotten hurt. But uh, uh, that. You know, I, I can't rem- I can't recall, but certainly not since they hit the skids. Since uh, since uh, Phil uh, put out the "It's Happening" T-shirts, and then they finished <laughs> nineteen and fifty. Yeah, a bunch of chokers in, in two thousand eleven. Sure. Uh, and uh, since that started the, uh, the the collapse, and even though in two of the years they they were over five hundred and they actually made a playoff game, but uh, nothing. Nothing to compare with this, certainly. It is. I forgot until I looked it up again how how they sneaked into that wild card game in uh, in uh, 2017. They were 11th on the trading at that on August 1st, the morning of August 1st. They were 11th in the American League. Four and a half or five games off the wild card, and everybody just collapsed around them, and they went, I think, thirty-one and nineteen or something, and that was good enough to get that wild card. That that standards aren't. I can guarantee you that the American League Central has probably never had a team that was seventy and forty-two and only four games in front. I mean, this is. You know, when you're 70 and 42, you should be eight or nine ahead in, a, in, a, in, the, in the AL Central, the way it's generally been. So this is pretty amazing. Pat, we were just talking in the last segment. I love football as much as the next guy, but my, my two co-hosts here have, have gone so far as to read Kevin Stefanski press conference releases. Not watch or listen, but read the transcripts of his press conferences. Where are the Vikings on your radar as we sit right now? Uh, Tied with the United. Uh, <laughs> of course, we're home with the United. I, I have paid no attention to them at all. I don't care. You know, I've, I've not, uh, I, I have paid no attention. I don't think uh, it, the exhibitions in the NFL have gone the way of the exhibitions in uh, spring training. Nobody makes the team based on what they do in the exhibition games anymore. It's, a, they've, it's all what they see out there in practice, who they have figured out beforehand or they see in their OTAs and you know you guys got Mr. Mankato is it still Mr. Mankato or do we, we yeah, no we're uh, we we did consider your suggestion of Egan Everyman but yeah. we kept it Mr. Mankato for at least one more year but these guys don't even make the team some of them you know they end up on the practice squad but you don't make the team in exhibition games why are we even bothered to watch you know it's uh it, it's ridiculous and uh uh, I, you know, I mean, one or two guys make the teams, but baseball, it, you know, you used to go to spring training, you were looking for those three guys that might break through and uh, and make the team. Now, now it doesn't make any difference, you know, whether what you do, and it's just like that in football. Everything is determined. The scouting and the analysis of these guys is so thorough, and their potential is so seared into the heads of the coaches and the you know the the decision makers that it doesn't exhibition games mean less than they've ever meant, which is saying something. 
All right, but, but Pat, we've got a full list here that just came out. So MLB Players Weekend is coming up in a couple weeks here, and that's the weekend where players get to wear they get to wear nicknames on their jerseys. I heard the. These guys talking about the unis today. They got white ones and black ones. It's awful. It. I like them. Oh, it's terrible. No, it's bad. They're very if simple. You can't read the, if you can't read the name of the numbers because it's white on white, then I don't like them. Well, the problem here for the twins is everyone's got a nickname. We got Gibby. We got Buck. We got Crony. Oh, boy, that Gibby, that Gibby reached into the bag to yeah. come up with a nickname there. Boomstick. Did you see what Williams Astadio was going to go with, even though he's on the disabled or the injured list? Uh, no. He's not going with La Tortuga. He's just going with Astadio. I don't get it. <laughs> it's because it's him. He thinks it's funny. I, I guarantee you he thinks it's funny. I don't get it. That's not a uh, That's not a good nickname. Why wouldn't he go with La Tortuga? They could sell a bunch of those, couldn't they? Or just put the turtle emoji back there. The, the, the put turtle, turtle emoji. emoji. What's Jake Cave's nickname? What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> the juggler. Have you ever seen... A guy in the outfield who couldn't feel the ground ball. Like this <laughs> no, guy. he's unbelievable. I've ranted he, nine you know, times on Twitter about this clown he's in the outfield. Mediocre on the ball in the air, but on the ground, he's got no chance. It's, it's unbelievable. And by the way, these are major league. These are major league pastures. It's not like you're playing in you know Buffalo, yeah, Minnesota, right. it's not hitting where, a rock yeah. and <laughs> skipping on you. Right? Yeah, hey, you're not at. Uh, you're not Patrick, at Hadley. Willie Norwood. Well, Willie was kind of more the fly ball, although he did let the one go through. 79, opening day, I was there. They let the ball go through his legs and to make it, I think, 10 to nothing for an inside the park home run. And it was what was great about it is what there was a huge crowd, right? Yes, gorgeous. Yes. And they got beat 10 to nothing. And when Willie screwed it up, everybody laughed. Nobody booed. It was it was uh, it was a great derision. That's uh, that was uh, yeah. Willie was uh, Willie was uh, an interesting cat. You know, he was a, he was a really nice kid, but man, he couldn't play center field to save his life. Sofield <laughs> oh, is the famous one where Mock has the big meeting beforehand, and his big his big thing now he's going to reset they're going to have another reset like a month into the season gene was good on that reset and his reset is sofield's going to hit first and play center field and the, the like the second hitter hits a ball sofield it goes through his legs goes out to fenway park i mean goes out to that wall of fenway two run score or you know right off the bat and and uh, that's of course the famous one when Gene uh, suggested his mind might be more on girls than baseball. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we won't have to get into all the specifics. Uh, by the way, Cave's official nickname is going to be Caveman. One might argue that he caveman, plays right well, field like a caveman last night. He's got a fighting chance to be in Rochester. Then. Do they have another outfielder that they can bring up? I mean, Kirloff's got to be a corner guy, and I, I guess they they want somebody who can allegedly go play center field when they have yeah. to. Yeah. I don't. Lamont Wade picked a bad time to break a finger because he might actually have a chance to, to uh, get a few at bats. Well, Pat, we got to run, and we know you have a pizza to take out of the oven, so we'll catch up with you tomorrow, all right? All right. See all right. Wrap with Royce here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thank you for listening. You can find our podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar. 
or pie made with fresh, cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.